Hello, welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are all encouraged to join these live streams, to check out the replays in the library, and ultimately to share with each other, inspire each other, and get better tattoos, make better art. It's pretty awesome. It's a lot of fun. We're beaming out just about seven days a week with all sorts of programming. This is basically like a the tattoo TV network that you wish you had. Now you can. This is the Reinventing the Tattoo podcast is a special edition with the philosophy of tattooing with Professor Laura Sizer. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun. She taught at the Oak Paradise Tattoo Gathering in the past. Sorry, now I'm stealing Guy's introduction. Um, okay, uh, I'm not sure exactly where you're beaming in from, but you could uh, you could be on the YouTubes or on the Facebooks or listening to the podcast. The best way to find all of the latest information is going to be on that Reinventing community. So go to either of your app stores, pick your poison, either Apple or Google, both of them will rat you right out to the NSA at the first chance they get, but we're not here to keep you addicted to your phone. We're here to keep you inspired. So download the Reinventing the Tattoo app, or you can go straight to community.reinventingthetattoo.com where just your ISP rats you out. Anyways, uh, the whole point is this community is awesome. We have a ton of amazing things going on. If you click on the schedule, the event schedule is the first link, and it is the cornerstone of what we have going on with all of these live streams. You can check out the upcoming schedule. We have uh, reinventing drawing groups where artists are encouraged to beam in and draw with each other. I think three times a week now, we're, we're looking to expand another one. We have reinventing uh, curriculum exercises. These are ones that are exclusive with Guy Aitchison. And we also have apprentice uh, uh, events where apprentices get together and uh, and draw, do some of the fundamental drawings, make sure that your lines are getting straight, you know, shade out those uh, spheres and whatnot. Anyways, there is a ton of events that you can see in that event schedule, and all of the replays are in the library. So again, we're, we're beaming out five to seven days a week now, and all of the replays are available. And, you know, they're perfect for putting on in the front room of the tattoo shop, or if your client's squirming while you're, while you're tattooing them. You know, these are all very engaging interviews, and ultimately, if you uh, play them for your clients, they'll be asking you for uh, for sleeves and back pieces um, okay uh, I am getting way off script here um, we have uh, special upcoming events all of the time the this is including one the philosophy of tattooing uh, the next one is going to be uh, medical tattooing and handicap tattooing it's uh, Matt gone and Mary Jane uh, MJ Hanukkah uh, Part of my pronunciation. Anyways, uh, next Tuesday is going to be awesome. Check it out. Matt Gaughan's been getting tattooed. Both of them have been around uh, for a very long time, engaged in the tattoo community, and they are going to have a lot of great stories to tell. Um, we do have to make sure that, okay, uh, we talk about our real world events that are coming up as we are getting through this pandemic. Um, we're getting shots and people are able to travel. We're starting to open up a little bit. Um, October 3rd to the 6th is the Paradise BYOB. Uh, for anybody globally, uh, traditionally BYOB is bring your own booze. It's kind of like a picnic. In this case, it's going to be bring your own brushes, brains, beets, bud, booze, berries if you're a vegan. I know we'll have a lot of people coming out and we'll be teaching all sorts of different classes, not just tattooing and art, um, but we'll have some gardening classes. We'll have uh, technical classes, um, basically a whole bunch of people coming out, having a good time. It will be like an old school party where people just come out and have fun um, in the middle of the woods. October 3 to the 6th, Paradise 
BYOB at Jimmy Peak Mountain Resort, and we will be streaming out all of it so that um, you don't have to risk coming in person. But if you want to, we will be getting a bunch of people together. It's in October, so it won't be bad. Uh, November 12th to the 14th, uh, we're heading over to Brussels, uh, over to uh, Belgium. There'll be a full Reinventing the Tattoo contingent. A lot of people that are beaming out uh, through this channel will be there. And also we've got seminars. Uh, Nick Baxter, Ivana, and I will all be doing seminars, one a day over there. Um, Ivana's partner will be doing some cosmetic tattooing seminars. We've got uh, either a drink and draw or an art jam we'll, that we'll be beaming in for. We will be doing some uh, exclusive reinventing member get-togethers so that if you're either a member of the community, uh, we'll have a get-together, and then we're also going to have one that's exclusively for the subscribers. Um, the, speaking of subscribing to the Reinventing, uh, they are the beating heart. We want to thank our sponsors for making a lot of this programming free, but the members, the paying subscribers, the artists that get together every Monday to work with Guy, um, it's like 300 a year, it's uh, less than a dollar a day, it's amazing for the amount of inspiration you can get. And every Monday, you can be beaming in with Guy and submitting your homework and getting critiqued. It's out of control. It's every Monday at 9 o'clock are those exercises. Um, okay, anyways, the point being is we're going to be over there in uh, Belgium for November 12th to the 14th. Then next year, 2022, get out your pencils. We'll be uh, at Hell City, uh, May 20th to the 22nd. We'll be at the Rock River Tattoo Art Expo. Actually, uh, we're putting it on, uh, uh, Guy, Rob, and I. Um, Guy will be taking care of the reinventing uh, curriculum. We have an awesome theater. It's set up to, to do lectures and stuff. It's like a lecture hall. Um, I think it fits like 80 people. Uh, then we'll have 100 tattooers and the ballroom. It's pretty amazing. It's got glass. It's got glass wall overlooking the river. The venue is called Cliff Breakers. And well, it's going to be everything that you would expect from uh, one of our next conventions, right? So that's the Rock River Tattoo Art Expo, July 8th to the 10th, 2022. It's tattooartexpo.com. And it seems like for the last week and a half, I've been telling people not to go immediately there. Uh, but uh, I am updating as we speak. We're, we're making sure that all the headliners are still in and getting uh, everything back together. Then let's see, we've got July 29th to the 31st, 2022, the Rubber City Invitational with Tony Urbanic. He does a bunch of machine building interviews and machine builder interviews. He's got one coming up next week. Uh, October 20th to the 23rd is the Paradise uh, Tattoo Gathering official big four-day tattoo event, the return of the Paradise Tattoo Gathering at Jiminy Peak. That's next year, 2022. Okay. Uh, other upcoming professional development, if you go to courses.reinventingthetattoo.com, uh, I'm going to be doing the Reinventing the Tattoo business classes. There's a couple that are listed coming up. Andre Malcolm has an amazing replay of a Koi sleeve design. I think it's like 99 bucks, and it is absolutely awesome. If you have a Koi tattoo coming up, it would be silly not to check it out. If you know Andre's work, you know how badass it is. We have uh, BJ Betts has a lettering seminar that people have always been digging. It's about three hours. Bob Tyrell's got an 11-hour uh, seminar, and if you can't, get through the 11 hour seminar, then you definitely can't tattoo like Bob does. Um, okay, courses.reinventingthetattoo.com. And uh, it does seem like everything is working. Now is a great time to let us know how this is working for you in the chat rooms. It is also a good time to give it a follow. I want to thank our sponsors uh, real quick because again, they are making this uh, free for everybody. We have Raw Pigments, rawpigments.co. They are vegan and acrylic free, which means they don't uh, dry up in the cup. Uh, we have inkjet stencils. If you treat your tattoo reference on your iPad or in Photoshop on your computer, you can print out the stencils straight from an eco-friendly uh, or eco-refillable Epson printer. Uh, 
inkjetstencils.com for both the inks and for the paper. And there, there is a way if you send them your reference, they will send you five sample stencils so you can get an idea of like the consistency, how it works and what the system is capable of. A ton of tattoo shops, uh, busy tattoo shops are digging it because it saves uh, a lot of time hammering through stuff. And um, yeah, everybody's digging it. And, and custom tattooers, you can get the oversized printer and print out like back pieces and sleeves all in one shot, which is pretty phenomenal. So if you're doing a lot of sleeves or back pieces and you're stenciling them, then yeah, that can uh, help you. Check it out, inkjetstencils.com. Let's see, we've got uh, D-Lies Pro, known as Dermalize throughout the rest of the world. D-Lies Pro in the United States. It's a healing wrap uh, that's designed to breathe. So if you're still using cling wrap, it's definitely worth giving D-Lies Pro a shot because Delize Pro is designed to, to, to heal these tattoos, whereas the cling wrap is literally designed to not breathe. There's no air that gets through them. This cling wrap doesn't want air to get through, whereas the uh, the healing stuff, it's designed. Anyways, check it out. If you're a tattooer, uh, Delize Pro or Dermalize if you're outside of the United States. And then let's see, uh, we've got Tattoo Now. That's uh, me, I'm the computer geek. I'm doing technology for tattooers for over 20 years. And now that reinventing is getting pretty tight, um, I have a little bit more time to get back to my website clients and or SEO stuff. So if you're looking for any computer geek shit, uh, TattooNow.com. And then last, but uh, certainly not least, in fact, first, the founder of Reinventing the Tattoo, uh, Guy Aitchison, can ha he has all of his products at GuyAitchison.com, and he's making pretty much everything himself. And he's not actually printing the books, but he took like eight years to make the books. He's got the Biomech Encyclopedia. There's tattoo machines. There's DVDs. There's prints that he prints up and there's uh, paintings that he's got. And yeah, check it out, GuyHSN.com. Thank you very much for making this happen. And we are just about done, which this is not bad, nine minutes. Um, we have affiliates, the Fireside Tattoo Network. Check them out, uh, Jake Meeks on either the YouTube channel or the podcast store. We have the Apprenticeship Diaries, which is only in the podcast store. That's Amy Nichols. She's interviewing both mentors and apprentices, not just in tattooing, but in all sorts of crafts. And, um, and yeah, lastly, we are putting together Eco-Friendly Tattoo Supplies, which links out to some different people that have eco-friendly tattoo supplies. So if you have eco-friendly supplies and you want to get a link out, let us know. And well, actually anybody that wants to get in touch with us, uh, management at reinventingthetattoo.com. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, uh, bringing us to a convention or to your studio or some such, very limited amount of travel that reinventing could do, but uh, it is fun to, to meet groups of people all around the world. And then please leave your kind reviews in the in the in your store of choice if you're watching the podcast or the the youtubes and then your constructive criticism yeah just send straight to us because we'd love to hear what we could do better or if you have some suggestions for the show okay well hopefully guys internet is uh going to be good we've been sacrificing to the computer gods um guy take, take it away I mean, this is going to be very exciting I'm, I'm i'm wicked excited for this okay and uh, thank you everyone who's tuned in uh this is uh another one of those podcast where we're introducing you to somebody of a different profession. We've got a, a chance to meet an archaeologist recently, uh, a chemist, and today we've got a professional philosopher uh, joining us, uh, Dr. Laura Seisner. Hi, Laura. Thanks for coming here today to do this. And Laura's got a presentation that she's going to be showing us, but there's going to be a chance to uh, do a little bit of Q&A afterwards. I, I think this is interesting because tattooing is a, an art form that just naturally has a philosophical angle to it and i think everyone who is involved in the craft has got their own philosophies about it there are 
many things that we encounter because of tattoos. Tattooing is extreme realness, right? We've, we've got an immediate confrontation with longevity and mortality and all these other things. And, you know, the kind of human nature that comes along with that as tattoo professionals, you know, dealing with people and their decision making uh, and, and that kind of thing uh, and all the ironies, et cetera. Uh, Laura, how did you arrive at tattooing as a, as a subject of interest in your uh, philosophy practice? Um, I was having conversations with uh, tattooers. They were my captive audience because they were tattooing me. Um, and so uh, I just started asking them the usual um, uh, sort of philosophy tinged questions that tend uh, to roll around my head. And um, and so they were fascinating conversations. And one of the things that several tattooists said to me was uh, that they encountered people who said tattoos can't be art. Tattoos aren't art. Um, and so they said, you know, what can I say to convince people that tattoos can be art? And I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I, I started to think about tattoos as art and I started to realize that when you think about tattoos as art, they actually raise all sorts of really interesting questions in the philosophy of art. Um, and, uh, and so I thought, okay, um, I'm, I'm interested to figure out how I can answer the question, um, can tattoos be art? And then also, how can I um, talk to other philosophers about what's philosophically interesting about tattoos? They raise all sorts of, they're, they're different. If we think about them as artworks, they're different from other kinds of art for all the reasons you were just talking about, right? They, um, you know, they're associated with a particular body. They, you know, age and change over time. Um, and so the, the more I started thinking about it, the, the more questions came up, so. Okay, so what is it that you've got put together for us today? Just, yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not even gonna guess. Um, so I thought I'd, I'd uh, talk a little bit about how philosophers talk about art, um, just in broad strokes, and why it is that I think that um, tattoos can be art. Um, and in fact, uh, I'm, I hope you'll agree with me that on any, theory of art, uh, practically, tattoos are an unproblematic instance of art. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about what I think is philosophically interesting about tattoo art in particular. So, um, so I thought I could sort of walk through that and then uh, see what kinds of conversations and, and questions people want to have after that. So I'm going to go okay. ahead. Okay. Well, uh, and, and of course, I'm curious to hear, and you've already touched a little bit on, on the uh, conversations you had with the people tattooing you. And I'd love to, to go a little bit deeper into those conversations because, uh, of course, that's most of our audience here today are uh, tattoo professionals. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting to get a different angle. It's one of the things that we love to talk about when we're drinking with each other at conventions is, you know, those pesky clients are not so pesky. You know what I mean? It's, it's the we're working with and on people is, you know, it's not just the 
thing that brings us income, but it's the heart and soul of what we do uh, for better, for worse. When we have these collaborative relationships uh, that are, you know, to many of us, very empowering. Uh, to me, I've always felt like the, the best thing about tattooing is the, the curveball that that person brings in the studio. Uh, so I'd love to hear, you know, anything that you have to say about that. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and start with what you've got prepared. And, you know, there's definitely going to be a lot of questions. Okay. Yeah. And I think I, I, I'm really excited to hear what your so, uh, reaction is. Do you have something pre-recorded here or is this a slideshow or what have we I've got? got I've got slides. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, you definitely got it here. Okay. You got it. Okay. Yep. It's um. So. Uh. So. Okay. So. Um. One of the branches of philosophy I work in is aesthetics. Uh. Um. Or philosophy of art, and so philosophers are, of art are um interested in questions about the nature of art, aesthetic experience, artistic practice. Um. And um, and so um, one of the things that philosophers sometimes talk about, um, so philosophy of art. Um, so we'll ask, what is art? What's the value or purpose of art? Um, what matters about it? Um, what is good art? Uh, so these are the kinds of questions that philosophers of art um, think about. And um, when we think about the question, what is art? There are lots of different definitions. Uh, this is a discussion that's been happening for um, centuries. Um, and often these different definitions point to some feature or set of features that are claimed to be essential or characteristic of some things um, being art. And so maybe you're thinking at this point, uh, we don't need a philosophy of art. Uh, art can't be defined. We each define it for ourselves. Um, it changes all the time. Um, and certainly it's true that art is uh, what we decide it is. It's a human activity. It's not a natural kind like a tiger or a tree. Um, and our concepts of art do change um, over time. But I think there's some value in as artists, as philosophers, as people who appreciate art, um, thinking about these questions, because even if we don't recognize it, um, ideas about what is and isn't art, what makes art valuable, who gets to decide these things, um, they're operating and influencing our personal ideas about art. And I think it's useful to recognize that and to just sort of think more deeply about our ideas and experiences, just the sort of thing a philosopher is, is inclined to say. Um, so what do we want from a theory of art? Um, I'm gonna focus on visual art just because if tattoos can be art, they are probably some form of visual art. Um, we, wanna, we want a theory of art to help us understand what differentiates a work of Picasso's from my grocery list, right? Why does one get hung up in the museum and one gets thrown in the garbage after my grocery shopping is done? Why do I want to keep looking at the Picasso? Um, whereas once I've crossed everything off the list, I don't look at my grocery list anymore. Um, why does it seem to sort of matter to me 
in a way that my grocery list doesn't. Um, even if I can't do anything with the Picasso, it's, it's being there and me being able to experience it matters. Um, so we want a theory of art to help us understand some of those things. Um, uh, a theory of art uh, should allow that something's being art doesn't mean that it's necessarily good art. Bad art is, after all, some sort of art. Um, and so some people think that to call something art implies this kind of value judgment. It means that it has to be beautiful or amazing or extraordinary, worth uh, being hung in a museum, auctioned for millions at Christie's. Um, so this is kind of this capital A notion of art. Um, and maybe that's what uh, the people who have said uh, that tattoos can't be art have in mind when they tell tattooists that, that tattoos can't be art. Um, they're used to perhaps going to a museum and that's where art lives. And of course they're seeing the carefully curated and displayed and you know what's thought to be sort of the most um, uh, amazing examples of their kind, whereas you confront tattoos out in the world, um, uh, all kinds of tattoos all the time, every day. Um, but when philosophers talk about the category of art, uh, we're not making a, a judgment of uh, how great it is or, or its value. Um, uh, but we're picking out, um, we're saying that it has certain features or it's produced with certain intentions, or it has certain effects on an audience. Um, and, and those are the kinds of fairly abstract features that philosophers tend to talk about when they talk about art. Um, we're not in the business of judging whether a particular work is counts as a work of art. We're not art critics, we're not historians. We think fairly abstractly about um, what features might be salient or relevant to answering questions about um, whether it's art. Um, so, and I should specify that when I talk about uh, tattoos as art, for, for now, I'm just going to talk about custom uh, tattoos. Um, so not flash tattoos, although I think they're philosophically interesting in their own right. Um, so I'm just going to give a few examples of, of theories of art and why uh, I think that it's fairly clear that tattoos get to be candidates for art on, on these different theories. So one approach is um, uh, let's start by looking at characteristics of the artworks themselves to identify what they have in common. Works of art can vary significantly in their content, what they're about, if they're about anything at all. Um, and so one promising line of um, theorizing focuses on aspects of their form. There's a pleasing arrangement and interaction of color and line and shape, um, manipulation of space or time and flow. So the philosopher Clive Bell um, talks about this idea of significant form. So he says, what quality is shared by all objects that provoke our um, aesthetic emotions? Only one answer seems possible, significant form. And each lines and colors combined in a particular way um, and a partic particular arrangement um, of forms and relations of forms, I can't read my entire screen, um, stir our um, 
aesthetic emotions. These relations and combinations of lines and colors, these aesthetically moving forms, I call significant form. Um, and significant form is the one quality common to all works of visual art. So um, if we look at works of art like Duchamp's Nude Descending a Staircase or Juan Gris' Violin and Glass, um, these are just some examples of, of what we might mean by significant form, where we're really drawn in by the use of color and shape and line um, that are drawing our attention and pulling our eyes um, around the piece in, in certain ways. And so um, clearly tattoos can um, exhibit these formal properties, the play of line, color, flow, um, and do so in sort of aesthetically engaging and moving ways so they can exhibit significant form. Um, some of these works might be familiar to you. Um, and so tattoo design, uh, as, as I read about it, I, I don't do it, um, uh, seems to clearly involve manipulating these features of line and shape and movement in effective ways on the body. And in fact, the body itself has form that the tattooist is working with. Um, another way of thinking about art is to focus on experiences. Uh, art is what engages certain aesthetic ways of, of perceiving. Um, it gives rise to aesthetic thoughts or emotions. Um, some philosophers have argued that when we look at art, um, we're attending to and contemplating it in a way that's different than we look at non-art objects. We're not evaluating it for its function um, or usefulness. We are looking at it disinterestedly. That's interest without ulterior purposes. We're just appreciating it for its aesthetic um, qualities. And these can give rise to aesthetic thoughts, aesthetic emotions. So again, I think it's very clear that, that uh, tattoos are perfectly capable of um, uh, engaging us in this manner. Um, they can give rise to aesthetic experiences of interest, beauty, awe. They can raise powerful emotions. Um, the last sort of general approach I'll mention is we can also just look to the intention of the artist. Um, so art is what results from an intention to create art uh, or an intention to create um, something that is um, uh, uh, presented as uh, being aesthetically engaging. Um, so when uh, Andy Warhol creates a Brillo box sculpture that looks just like an everyday Brillo box, his artistic intention perhaps is to have us look at that as art and think about it in a different way than when we go shopping for Brillo pads at the, at the grocery store. And again, on this kind of approach, at least some tattoos are clearly art um, uh, insofar as tattooists uh, approach it with the goal of creating art or something aesthetically engaging. Um, um, you don't need to explicitly think like I am about to create art right but you have to sort of in your um, uh, intentions have some sort of aesthetic intention in mind so notice that on all of these approaches 
perhaps not all tattoos are art. Uh, so perhaps the, the tattooist who works with a client who comes in and wants, you know, mom uh, inked on their bicep, um, uh, maybe that's not a, a work of art. Maybe uh, we should think of that as a craft or a skill for hire. Um, uh, but I think at least some tattoos are art um, and we can combine these approaches too. We can say an artist intends to create something that brings about um, an aesthetic experience through the manipulation of significant form. Um, my last point to sort of hopefully really convince everybody and I'm pretty sure I, I have a fairly um, uh, sympathetic audience. Um, so Barris Gout uh, gives a cluster concept of art that lists these 10 properties. He says the present of, of which um, ordinary judgment counts towards something being art um, and the absence of which counts against its being art. So we've got 10 characteristics here. Uh, many of them are drawn from other theories of art. So you can see some of the ones we've been talking about. Um, the product of an intention to make a work of art, possessing aesthetic properties, positive aesthetic properties, et cetera. Um, and some other ones too, being intellectually challenging, having a capacity to convey complex meaning, being the exercise of creative imagination. Um, so um, what, I, what I give this list to, to suggest is that um, I would say that at least some tattoos meet every single one of these properties um, and many tattoos meet most of them. And so this suggests that um, uh, not only can a tattoo be art, it's not even a borderline case, right? Um, and it's just not clear why something's being a tattoo should exclude something from being art. Right. Um, so, uh, so that's my that's my line about um, uh, sort of for those tattooists who want to be able to respond to people who say tattoos can't be art. Um, uh, I say um, there is nothing about something's being a tattoo that means that it can't be art. And um, there are many tattoos that um, meet. Uh, many, if not all, of the kinds of properties that philosophers point to when they talk about uh, defining art. Um, so we could stop there and say, okay, as it turns out, tattooing is just another form of visual art. Tattoos get to be art for the same reasons that any other visual work gets to be art. Um, but I want to go further and talk about what I think is distinctive about tattoo art. And I think, and, and here I'm really interested to hear what, what people have to say. Um, I think it's worth considering that tattoo art is a distinct category of art. Um, and why this matters is that there might be, and I think there are, features of tattoo art that contribute to the aesthetics of the work that go beyond the sorts of features that we consider with other traditional works of art. So I think it's wrong to think of tattoos merely as sort of 
two-dimensional drawings that get applied to a three-dimensional surface, for example. And so this thinking about uh, tattoo art this way really obscures um, something really essential about um, tattoos. Um, so uh, what I think uh, sets tattoo art apart from um, other types of visual art is that tattoos are rendered into living bodies. The tattooing is an art form that employs the body as a medium um, and that this is an essential and defining property of tattoo art. And again, I'm, I think um, I might be uh, sort of preaching to the choir here, um, but if, if, we, if we follow this uh, to its conclusions, then some interesting things come up. Um, so it suggests that uh, work of tattoo art is necessarily uh, a tattoo on living skin. Um, it's designed for and rendered into a living, moving body. Um, and, and it becomes part of a living, moving body. And um, the living skin contributes to the tattoo, the chemistry of the skin, the way the light reflects through it, how the person moves. So the person isn't just a canvas, sorry, Ink Master. Um, they, the person contributes materially to the artwork. The body is a resource for the artist um, and the body becomes part of the artwork. Um, and so uh, this is why properties like fit and flow and placement on the body are crucial to making the tattoo successful. Good tattoo artwork uh, works with the body, understands how the body is gonna move, how pigments might change over time. Um, so I, I really like this quote uh, by Horiyoshi III, um, who says, the creatures I draw only come alive on somebody's skin. This is why I never show my designs as so-called art. I draw simply for fun and to have samples to show my clients so they can pick a new design. The creatures depicted take the person's breath away once they're on his or her skin, and then the two start breathing together in unison. Human history alters the look of the animals and plants I paint, and when the person wearing them dies, so too do they. Um, so, okay, so again, maybe this is something that um, uh, seems highly plausible uh, to you, um, but, but let's think about some, some counter arguments here. Um, maybe you disagree with me about the essential role of a living body. So what about a case where a piece of tattooed skin is removed and preserved after a person dies? Why not say that that is still a work of tattoo art? Uh, what I would say is maybe it's a work of art, a different kind of work of art, but I don't think we should call it a work of tattoo art any longer. Because think about how much it changes. The image is flattened, maybe distorted, stretched, light interacts with the pigments in a different way. If all you saw of tattoos um, were what had been taken and preserved from um, deceased persons, you would not be appreciating and understanding the tattoo in all its glory. You wouldn't really appreciate the, the art form at all. Um, another implication is that um, when we talk about tattoo designs, 
um, the design that the tattooist creates as a stencil or template for the tattoo. Again, perhaps these uh, are candidates for being works of art in their own right, but um, I suggest that they are not tattoo art. It's not tattoo art until it's rendered into living skin. Being able to draw a great design is really important, but it's a whole different set of skills and artistic choices that go into actually tattooing the image. So designs can be art, but they can't be tattoo art um, if we hold to, to this view. Um, uh, and so if we, if we accept this, if this seems right, if tattoo art essentially involves a living body, this has all sorts of interesting implications and it raises some other philosophical puzzles. Um, I'll just sort of quickly uh, talk about these and we can talk about uh, um, them in more depth if you, if you want. Um, so maybe this explains why tattoos, or one of the things that explains why tattoos have not been thought of as art, at least in recent Western history. They're rarely exhibited in museums. It's very hard to exhibit tattoos uh, fully and, and appropriately in museums um, uh, in ways that honor the art form. It's also uh, really hard to ascertain the value of tattoo arts um, insofar as the contemporary art market thrives on being able to buy and sell artworks and determine their monetary value accordingly. Tattoos cannot be bought and sold. Um, uh, they're permanently attached to one owner who also happens to contribute materially to the work. So tattoo art doesn't fit into the art market systems for ascertaining value um, or importance. And uh, this notion of tattoo art uh, also has implications for the ways that tattoo art is different from many traditional works of visual art with respect to the relationship between the artwork and the artist. Um, uh, tattoos are more frequently associated with their wearers or owners, not the tattoo artists, though certainly many tattoo artists have distinctive styles that are well-known and, and recognizable. Um, but, the but the relationship between the tattoo artist, the tattoo work, and the person who wears the work uh, is, is very different. Um, and that's because the person is not a mere owner. Uh, the person is a contributor uh, to the artwork. Uh, the artwork is not detachable uh, from them. As one of my uh, colleagues, um, Ava Dodles likes to say, tattoos are not portable artworks. Um, and, um, um, and so several philosophers have pointed out uh, that in these ways, tattoo art is like street art. Um, the philosopher Nicholas Riggle has written about street art um, and describes it as drawing on the street uh, as an artistic resource. Its location um, in the street, on a building, on a sidewalk contributes to the meaning of the work um, as well as the way it looks and behaves. Um, and so if you try to remove, let's say a Banksy, from the side of a building, even if you take a chunk of the building with you, you've destroyed it as a work of street art. Um, and 
and it seems like tattoo art is similar. It's an art form that's designed and realized in living bodies and the body contributes to the artwork in many ways. Um, and from being a medium that has form and movement and reflects light in certain ways to providing meaning, meaning and influencing how we perceive and think about the work. And then lastly, uh, because uh, this is an art form of um, uh, on living bodies, there are all sorts of ethical implications. Um, uh, the client owner is not just a, a canvas, they're a person. And so issues of consent and respect uh, come into play um, in ways that are perhaps much more urgent than with other visual art forms. So, um, uh, so can a tattoo be art? Absolutely. Um, but in addition, I think there are good reasons to recognize that tattoo art is, is uh, a distinctive category. It's not just another instance of visual art generally. Um, and, and thinking more about how it's distinctive gives us the tools to understand um, these other features of tattoo art and, and how we interact with it. So I'll, I'll stop, I'll stop there because I feel like- All right, well, that's, I mean, I think that, that within our craft, you'll even find a division there. You'll ask some tattoo artists or tattooers, let's say, because they don't want to use the word artist. Are you an artist? And they'll say no. And I'm not sure why some of us choose that, uh, whether it's a way of kind of stepping down the amount of responsibility you're taking, you know, um, you know, don't blame me, I'm just copying, you know, uh, or if it's uh, just a way of, uh, you know, maybe trying to appear more humble or less highfalutin, you know, more of a, a people's craft, which uh, tattooing absolutely is that uh, as well. Uh, and I think that's one of the interesting things about it is it, it absolutely is a folk art, you know, you're going to talk about it being an art, it's, it's a people's art form. And it's only recently that you're seeing higher degrees of artistic training and experience coming into the, the trade because, I mean, even just 30 years ago when, when I was apprenticing, uh, it was sort of weird for me to be coming in with pre-existing art skills, right? It was not normal at the time. It was uh, a, a thing that you traced and uh, it was very much passed down in these traditional apprentices, uh, apprenticeships. So uh, there's this folk art kind of aspect to it. And all of a sudden it's really going through this big change uh, as well as a cultural perception. And I don't, I don't think that the general public would necessarily think about it to this degree, but many of them I think would think that calling it art would be a, a compliment. You know, I mean, I've, I've in fact been in front of restaurants where, you know, regular old people are like, wow, that's really art. Um, because, and maybe without realizing it's because of that definition, it's causing them to stop and look at it differently than they would other objects. I know that wasn't a question. Uh, I think that, uh, I guess if I was going to boil this down into a question, uh, that would be my first one is, you know, with the tattooers that you've worked with and spoken to, 
uh, did they think of themselves as artists or did they have, you know, different or mixed feelings about that definition? Um, yeah, different, different tattooists, I guess I have to use the neutral term, different tattooists um, had different responses to it. I mean, I had my longest conversations with people who were really bothered by um, uh, tattooing not being viewed as uh, as art. Um, and, and certainly, I, I have talked with some tattooists who, who do um, talk about what they do as a skill for hire, right? Um, and uh, so they, they have a craft, they have a skill, and, uh, and, um, and so, you know, the client comes in, uh, asks for, for what they want, and um, the, the tattooist provides it. And, and I think, I think that's fine. The, the world is a big place, right? So we can, we can make room for all of, all of those different approaches. Um, and, and so when I think about can tattoos be art, um, I, I really, I don't want to say that all tattoos are art. I don't want to say that all tattooists are uh, are artists or ought to view themselves as as artists. Um, you know, I've I'm, I've read some uh, uh, sociological work that um, raises concerns about like the artification of tattoos, right? What happens like uh, the the transition that you were describing? What happens if tattoos do start to be viewed as art, right? I mean, this is this is a an art form of you know of the of the street of the people of um, you know people still uh, characterize as you know the outcast, right? The rebel, and you know how how. Uh, we don't want tattoos to be sort of co-opted into um, the art world. Uh, this is not a view I hold. I'm I'm characterizing um, other things that I've read, and so maybe you know, maybe that's an interesting um, concern to think about, right? Well, okay. So it depends on which which of those models you're looking at it from, though, because, for example, according to certain definitions that you were sharing with us just the role that this object is playing makes it art. And so even if you're hiring somebody who is just a, a mere craftsperson, this object that they're creating because it's serving that role is an object of art. Uh, now that, that doesn't mean that it can be commodified in the current sense because as you also pointed out, these are inextricably connected to a human being. And so it just can't go on the market now things have gotten crazy enough that I can imagine people selling NFTs of their own tattoos and say, yeah, I'm, I'm the wearer, but so-and-so is the owner and they paid 10 grand for it. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been really, um, what makes them the owner? The yeah. Yeah, I was I was just reading about NFTs. You know, it's gotten screwy, right? And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if I saw that. Yeah, um, I, I I think that's 
I mean, tattoos already are non-fungible tokens, right? I mean, you need NFTs for something the like digital one. art that doesn't exist, you know, materially, and there's no difference between my downloaded people and your downloaded people, right? Right. Um, but tattoos are not like that. That's what's that's what's special and interesting about them. We don't need NFTs. They are they are non-fungible you know right uh it's it's just that i think that the emergence of nfts means that we should expect to see ownership of all kinds of things that otherwise couldn't be bought and sold being bought and sold uh that just seems like something that humans would do uh <laughs> and you know the fact that somebody paid 65 million dollars for a Beeple nft is uh just proof of that they believe i forget the name of that consortium but they believe it's going to be a billion dollar piece of art uh because well you know that's granted that the world continues developing in the direction that it is uh and who knows uh i think that there's going to be a confrontation with the environmental impacts of, of the blockchain world that is is going to force new realities on it and i can't say what those will be yet but it might just we might just have to crank down on the enthusiasm a little bit as as the real cost gets implemented into it um but uh you know back, back to that role the role of something being an art object i wanted to ask you this question uh a number of us including myself uh were enlisted by uh, a museum group to create these tattooed body parts on silicone casts of human body parts. And I found that the back piece that I did took as much time and effort as it would have taken on human skin. Um, and then it, uh, it's getting displayed, you know, in a, in a glass case. Uh, is that a tattoo? What is it? Yeah, so if if I'm going to stick to my definition, then no, it's not unless the silicone skin is so um, you know, it mimics the way light passes through skin. It's got, you know, the, that sort of glow from, you know, blood circulating and um uh it's uh it's got you know form and dimension like a human body like if you start to really build i somebody once uh, in a paper i wrote uh uh one of the reviewers asked me about um like cyborgs can cyborgs you know uh have tattoo art um and so i, I thought okay yes if if the skin on these cyborgs is really that good. Um, yeah, that's tough because then yeah. you're having to, to draw definitions here. You know, and, you know, clearly one of the things that makes a tattoo a tattoo is the human being inside the tattoo, not just the skin itself. And so in some ways that cyborg, if it's actually an entity with hopes and dreams is wearing more of a real tattoo than a perfectly, let's say a genetically bred hunk of human tissue that actually has a heartbeat, but no mind, right? Uh, 
I, I don't know. Hopefully, we won't see it either <laughs> anytime soon. But uh, you know, I mean, that what makes something a tattoo in terms of our experience of wearing it is just the fact that it's always there, uh, whether whether it matches today's outfit or not. You're gonna you're gonna dress up around it. You're gonna live your day around it. It's gonna be part of your life. It's gonna keep speaking to you. Um, and you know the value to somebody else. That's the other thing. You know why why these can't really be traded on the art market. You know the value to somebody else is is not possibly going to have the depth of the value it has to the person who who sat for it. And uh, especially in the case of somebody who's saved up their money and gone to a, a name artist. You know they're traveling for it big event it's beyond just going down the street too and there there might be a lot of uh they're kind of celebrating that and uh you know i, I deal with these kinds of clients all the time and and it's this is a serious thing that they're doing uh it, it just doesn't transfer across to anybody else it couldn't possibly you know, in the same sense that you're saying those tan pieces of human hide with leftover tattoos, and I see why. Uh, they were tattoos. Now they are tattooed dead humans tissue. You know, I, I guess we would need a term, for, oh, one word term for it, so we don't have to use a whole sentence to describe it. Uh, okay, he talks about Horiyoshi. He doesn't, he doesn't like to hang up his designs and call them out. Right? And... Uh, and this is interesting because there's been plenty of gallery shows showing tattoo designs on the walls. I've been involved in some of them myself. And uh, they are very much being presented in that role. It's the role they're playing. They're an object that's being presented for to have that effect on the viewer. Um, I mean, I guess that there it goes down to personal choice, right? Down to intention. And so you've got these different models of what makes something art, and they're not all going to agree with each other. And so somebody like Horiyoshi, if you, he might say these aren't art, they're just designs for tattoos that then are art. Uh, somebody else might look at it and say, oh my God, it's Horiyoshi. He, he could sneeze on this and it would be art in my eyes. Uh, <laughs> even though it wasn't intended that way, just because it came from this particular person. So there's definitely a lot of different definitions of art out there, aren't there? Probably as many as there are people. And we might want to say that um, some designs qualify as art on their own merits, right? I mean, some of, some of those sort of fully rendered designs for tattoos, fully, you know, fully worked out um, designs are gorgeous, right? And, and you would want to hang it up on your wall as a work of art, um, and, and that's fine. I just don't think they're tattoo art, right? It doesn't get to be tattoo art until it gets um, uh, realized in, in the living, moving person, you know? So, so, so I, there's a couple of questions or a couple of thoughts uh, 
obviously the, the the chat rooms are some that we want to make time for too um but so so for instance uh i'm, I'm thinking about the shift to let's say in 20 in 10 years 15 years you know guy creates these amazing paintings and these designs and then feeds them into the computer and then the surgical robot does the application right um Guy's now an art. I mean, obviously he's an artist, you know. But in that in that case, does does the tattoo, you know, is the the robot's not a the robot? I suppose is the tattooist. I mean, and, and obvious. I mean, not obviously, but it feels like with the way that technology is going, um, you know, there's going to be a surgical whether it's affordable or not is another question. There's a surgical robot that could poke the holes in the most efficient way possible because it's studied, you know, ten million data sets of tattoos happening, right? So it could interject it could it could interject the right amount of lidocaine to to mix in so that there's no discomfort. It's it's exceptionally efficient, um, but then so, so what does that how, does that, I mean? I guess it doesn't affect it because the tattoo is still going into the person, um, well, but there isn't the that energy is, exchange. Right, right, and and that I would almost compare it to buying as you play prints in somebody as opposed to an oil painting. Could you say that last thing again? You were breaking up a little bit. Oh, I was I was saying that uh, that's where I might compare it to buying as you play prints from somebody as opposed to an oil painting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts since that's a pretty crazy idea, but it could easily happen. Well, there there are artists who commission, have other people actually execute the the artwork, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Andy Warhol, right. for example. Right. Yep. All the old masters. Factory. Right. Um, so. So maybe it's so maybe the imposition of a of a robot instead of a, a person actually doing the tattooing as as and again, it depends on your theory of art, but as long as there's an intention or uh, the resulting uh, work, you know, has uh, aesthetic features that give rise to uh, aesthetic experiences and emotions in viewers um then i i don't see the imposition of the robot as i'm thinking about it off the top of my head uh as as a deal breaker right um, right but it definitely changes i think some of the value let's let's say you're showing off this piece at a, a 2050 tattoo convention and the value of a piece that was done in person versus the value of a piece that was done the way gabe described versus the value of a piece where the artist sat and put on a pair of VR gloves and used a remote robotic tattoo droid across the world to execute the piece, the movements. You know, there could be all these different degrees. So of course they're all art, but the amount of value that might be perceived in the person, you know, uh, wearing this piece of art, you know, it's, it's just like a Salvador Dali painting that was done entirely by Dali versus one that was done mostly by his apprentices. I don't know if that really matters, if it's got his signature on it, but uh, um, I think just from, uh, I don't know. I mean, th th that's kind of where my, my sense of the value of art sort of disintegrates. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, just makes sense because the, uh, you know, an original oil painting is definitely different than one that the printer, you know, does. And so likewise, a surgical robot is like the printer compared to the handcrafting. Okay, uh, another well, question. If the, artist here... were to create, if the artist were to create that design specifically for that person and only allow the robot to execute that one copy, uh, 
So yeah, I mean, I think that all, all this stuff is art, but you're looking at a lot of new or future categories. They're not even here yet, but we can anticipate them. Uh, and those, those would give a different sense of how, how original or real or, or how valuable the piece might be uh, to where the person is still the true collector might feel like it's worth it to get them uh, get that plane ticket and, and go across the world and get the piece in person. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so uh, a question in here from uh, from Gina, Jin in the uh, chat room. Um, is this philosophy used in any degree in the current studies being done on the meanings of ancient, like mummy tattoos? Or um, so I guess. How does the? I mean, obviously tattoos are not a fad. They were one of the first things that humans did to each other, right? So, like, how does that work into the philosophy of tattooing? Uh. Right. So. We can ask a, a bunch of different kinds of questions. So if we think about Utsi or uh, um, uh, the, the princess um, uh, uh, who had the, the fairly elaborate um, tattoos. So, and people do ask these kinds of questions, you know, why, why did these people wear the tattoo? You know, did they think about it as, um, as art, as, um, you know, were they pursuing it for its aesthetic features or not? Is the person who did the tattoo, were they aiming for um, uh, some sort of um, aesthetically significant um, uh, work? And then we can also, again, so it sort of depends on your, your theory of art, right? We can, but we can also say, I, I'm looking at this right now and I am appreciating it as a, a work of art, and um, and you know, and that's fine, right? So it sort of depends how much um, how much weight you want to give to sort of the 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 grounding intention at the time of the artwork was created versus um, sort of talk about how we're looking at it today. Um, um, yeah, I guess I don't have, I don't think there's a, a, a cut and dried answer to that. I do want to uh, sort of repeat something from one of our earlier interviews. Uh, Dr. Dieter Wolf was talking about uh, Utsi in particular. And when he was first discovered, the very first thought that these uh, scientists had was, oh, he's got tattoos. Ah, okay. I guess they had criminal gangs back then. Uh, which completely flew in the face of the evidence, which is that, you know, the, the remaining uh, indigenous tattooing traditions that we, we know of, especially in the South Pacific Islands, uh, that this tattoo work is, is always a sign of higher social status. Uh, and that this idea of it being a criminal gang thing is, you know, kind of this very current Americanized thing that we're sort of lifting ourselves back out of. It was a temporary uh, bad reputation that tattooing was going through, but uh, that was just the first thing that they arrived at. And I think that maybe it's that very same, uh, you know, old white guy sort of uh, thinking that makes it hard for some of these scholars to look at tattooing and say that it's art. That, that actually leads us straight to our next question, which is, um, how, how have the other philosophers and academics responded to your um, interests and studies 
are you getting like a warm reception? Is everyone like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, there's a there's a small uh, uh, group of philosophers who are um, you know writing about and and talking about tattoos uh, as art, um, and uh, and and I would say that a, a lot of the ideas that I've been talking about are shared by these other philosophers as well. Um, I'll, I think there have been times uh, when I've gotten uh, pushback um, and about this idea that tattoos could be art. And, you know, again, that's, that's one of the reasons why I've spent a little bit of time really sort of putting, putting that argument together. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's something that um, I hope once the pandemic um, allows for more travel that I'll get to, you know, go to more conferences, have more conversations and and see how this flies. Um, so we'll see. But like I said, there's a oh, I do have a you know, this is as good a moment as any. Um, I just wanted to. Uh, so this is this is some of the published stuff. Uh, I think this is a tip, tip of the iceberg. There are a number of people who are um, doing uh, theses on this. And so I think the number of scholars who are gonna be contributing to this is gonna really grow. I think it's really exciting, but this is just uh, some of the people who have been writing about. Yeah, Matt's on our, uh, Matt Lauder's on our to, uh, to invite list. Oh, good, yeah. Um, do you know him or uh... no i've i've read his his dissertation and i've read some of the articles he's he's written about um tattoos he's a he's an art historian so he's asking um the a lot of the same questions i'm interested in um but approaching it from an art historical perspective but but his his research um is is really great and interesting and um and thoughtful so i i heartily uh recommend it so and i recommend you know all of all of this stuff um awesome um i do have a couple of uh comments that uh i want to read off before uh we take off huh. um, let's see uh, James Higgins was uh, responding to the robot tattoo. He says, a tattoo wouldn't be worth the same. Any ink I will ever get will be by a person. Uh, plus, getting a tattoo in person means you could always make sudden changes. You know, how would a robot be able to make the, a last second change? Or, you know, like nuance? Uh, I mean, I think that to, to guys envisioning of, you know, a human guided robot, kind of like surgeons are guiding the surgical robots, um, you know, there, there's uh, a good overlap, it, like human plus computer usually does better than, you know, just computer or just human, but uh, anyway, so uh, he's talking about, and, and it's funny when we talk about the value of a tattoo, right? Because like, there is no resale value. We've already kind of already talked about that, right? Um, and, and it's funny, and, and part of my mind, I've been, do, you know, researching a couple of the people that skin, you know, they, they skin the, the, the tattoo people after they're dead. And, uh, and I guess I need to make that transition because in, in some ways, if you take a, like a back piece, like one of a guy's back pieces or body suits, you know, and you, you know, after that person's dead, you skin it and you put it up on a, 
on a frame now, all of a sudden it becomes something that can be bought for a million dollars or a half a million dollars or like in that, that real art world. But I guess you, you take away the tattoo part of it and kind of it's trans not a tattoo anymore. Yeah. It's a colorful piece of leather. <laughs> oh shit. Um, okay. So my, some other comments we've got, uh, edict, uh, edict tattooer. Hi guys. Um, from Prague. I've been looking forward to this show. Um, and then they continue uh, me as a beginning tattooer. I consider myself as a craftsman learning the tattooing, doing the work for the client. And maybe I hope in coming years, my artistic voice will find a way into tattoo work. And uh, I actually did have to say that kind of leads one of the things I wrote down and I think I heard you correctly, but like, is like just a straight up flash mom tattoo not considered art? Uh, I, I think I mean, flash, I, I, it's crazy yeah. for me to even consider this because I'm right. like not like rooted in tradition or anything, but I'm like, wow, that's how could you how could you say that? Did you did she just say that? What? No, she did not <laughs> okay. just say that. I, I think I think flash is interesting in different ways, right? Because you've got the flash design and then you've got multiple uses of that design by different artists often on different people. Um, and so you potentially have a really interesting kind of artwork. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you have something that's the equivalent of, um, uh, you know, fine art prints, right? So there's a template and then the artist commissions multiple prints off right. um, or multiple prints of a, of a photo negative or something like that. So, so uh, maybe it's that kind of artwork. Um, I actually think uh, uh, that's not necessarily the best way to think about flash because um, each uh, tattoo that results from the use of a, of a piece of, of flash um, can be really, really different and can call on the tattooist to make choices and interpretations and, um, you know, changes and so on and so forth. So, um, uh, so there's a, this is sort of tapping into a, a set of debates in the philosophy of art, but, um, but I would say that it's better to think about flash tattoos more like performances than um, sort of multiple prints off of a, a template because, the, the tattooist is, is getting a something, is getting the design, and then is sort of doing a performance of it, right? Bringing their skills, whatever level of skills they have, to the work of um, realizing this sort of design. So that's- Like a piece of sheet music. Yeah. All right. So when, when you know, Jimmy Page and Jimi Hendrix and, you know, Kirk Hammett all play stairway to heaven right um they're all playing stairway to heaven but it sounds really different and they are bringing their own you know skills and strengths and their own you know equipment etc uh to bear on it so i think if if we want to come up with an analogy for thinking about flash tattoos um i think it's i think that's an instructive one to, to think about because it makes room for the idea that the artist is making choices, right? Um, so. 
Awesome. Um, okay, so let's see. Uh, Jean says, Ukak, uh, Ukak, uh, UK, OK is the princess, maybe? Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Voila. Um, let's see here. And then so to that point, uh, Colty 1992 um, was around that same conversation, uh, was commenting. Um, I think that they definitely had meanings and purpose, meaning all those old tattoos on, uh, on Atsin and whatnot. Uh, to this day, indigenous cultures, tattoo art has deep purpose and rites of passage. Um, yeah, okay. And then I suppose uh, one, uh, one last comment that I'll make at some point. Um, what, you know, I was moderating a panel for the Worldwide Tattoo Conference, and there was a panel of like stellar tattooers. It was like Boris from Hungary and, and you know, Jeff, Gogway, and Baxter. And, uh, the question was, you know, what do you love about tattooing? What do you love most about tattooing? Something to that effect. And uh, pretty much everybody said the clients, right? And so it's like, there is definitely something that, you know, tattoos without the living persons are, uh, yeah, I guess that's what we keep talking about, right? But anyways, and then the other, the other, other funny thing that I was thinking about is that um, you were talking about clients and ownership and whatnot. And, and I always find it a little bit funny. And I try not to do it myself, but when somebody says, oh, you know, that's, a, that's an amazing tattoo, you know, if you're sitting there, you know, next to a guy or whatever, and somebody's like, that's an amazing tattoo. And then the client says, oh, yeah, thanks. And it's like, well, well, well guy, this is the one that did it. <laughs> He's right next to you, or whoever it is. I'm not like calling anybody out in particular. And, and of course, the client is part of that process, half the process, you know, and they did earn well, the tattoo. They're, they the they they're the owner of the piece, and it wouldn't have happened without them. And in some cases, uh, it was a real, real effort. And so they, they, deserve the right to feel a sense of ownership over it and a sense of pride in that, I think. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, un un undoubtedly. Um, but when it's just fun to think of, or it's just a fun concept to think about, or it's funny to, uh, to, to watch happen. And uh, well, I mean, absolutely, know, I, like, I love the tattoos I get, you know, from you in particular, you know, it's a- uh, Trophies at tattoo conventions usually go to the person wearing them, although uh, some promoters have now been making double trophies so that uh, they can go to both the, artists in the wearer. Sometimes the wearer will hand the trophy over to the artist. So as you can see, there's lots of places for ambiguity. But this is one of the places where um, tattoo art is really different from traditional art, right? So most tattooists don't sign their work. Um, and, you know, the, the, the client gets the tattoo, you know, walks out into the world and lives a life. And maybe they tell everybody this is, you know, this is a guy ages in tattoo, or maybe they're like, yeah, thank you. I have excellent taste in tattoos. Um, and, you know, with, you know, a, a Picasso is always a Picasso, right? No matter who happens to own it. Um, and so uh, that relationship between artist and artwork is, is very uh, tight with respect to you know, traditional paintings and drawings, for example. Um, and so because the tattoo is realized on a person, that relationship gets, um, gets muddied in, in certain ways. And I think the more, you know, the more there's, you know, artists on tattoo artists on social media and and uh, you know shows and stuff like that uh, where certain artists are getting a lot more uh, recognized and there's recognition of you know the development of different styles and so forth you know maybe maybe that will change a little bit over time nice. the uh, the last uh, just comment or thought uh, I have about this is I'm, I'm wondering if 
or, or how much the effect of the art over time is considered in, in like the philosophy here, right? Like, so, so obviously paintings can really be striking to people, uh, you know, music you could listen to, you know, but, but art, you know, often you're like either look, you're not necessarily looking at art every day. Uh, music you might be listening to and, and really catch a song for a couple of weeks, but like tattoos are, are affecting that wear like every single day of their life from there on out. Um, which is a tremendous difference in the amount of energies that a tattoo is going to be emitting out into the world compared to, well, compared to a lot of art. I guess I'm just wondering if, the, if that ever comes into play again, the, the effect of the artwork over time. Uh, on on the the person and sort of their sense of themselves well, and, and people, like you know, I guess I'm just thinking yeah, of the world. The place in the world. The, the tattoo has a place in the world that is, you know, directly connected to a person or a painting or a piece of art that's, you know, it's hanging on a wall, it can get put away. It can be cycled out of a collection, even in, in the museums that have these uh, uh, very valuable paintings, only some of them are on dis uh, display at any given time. Sometimes for decades, uh, these pieces will get mothballed. So uh, I guess his his question or statement here is, you know, if, if tattoos have a, an elevated uh, role in society compared to regular art just because their presence is so direct with each uh, person wearing them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely, you know, a commitment, right? And, and, um, and for many people, they are importantly identity constituting, right? So getting a tattoo, uh, you know, showing a tattoo is an important part of their understanding of themselves. Um, and, and certainly people, some people use tattoo art as a way to sometimes reclaim their identities or their, um, uh, you know, th their sense of self. Um, and of course, you know, you know, in history, uh, uh, you know, tattoos have been used to, to also dehumanize, right, because they, they have those, those properties um, to, to punish and, and dehumanize um, in you know, morally terrible ways. Um, but uh, when somebody chooses right, the tattoo um, and uh, uh, then that can be an incredibly powerful way for them to sort of claim part of their identity. And if they change over time, then they have to sort of make peace with that or, or get it removed, right? Um, so that, that vegan tattoo is fading. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but I think that, you know, there are kinds of art like environmental art that it, like uh, sculptures that are designed to rust or fade over time, you know, um, sort of come apart over time. Um, and uh, but that's sort of uh, built into tattoo art as a medium right you're you're working with uh someone who is going to change over time and so it seems like one of the things that tattoo artists think about is how is this going to change over time and obviously the client should think about this too um so yeah that's a really essential well, you know of... that, that's yeah go ahead it's an essential piece of of our our mission too you know i mean it's the the fact that people do change over time uh i think a lot of tattooers arrive at this idea that whatever people ask us for let's just make it as nice as possible make it look good 
because the meaning behind the tattoo, you know, that might shift for them over time. But if you make it look good and fit them in a way that's flattering, you know, there's there's a lot more like awareness of this now. There wasn't always this. I just needed to get this symbol stamped on myself because it means something. Uh, I know a lot of artists, including myself, who primarily do abstract work where work that is merely decorative. And so the people coming to us, they don't have any pretense of why they're getting the tattoo. They just like the way that it looks. Uh, and, and, you know, some of us come full circle like that. Like, you know, if someone wants to insert a meaning in it, they can and I'll work with them and I'm happy to do that. Uh, I think a lot of artists just arrive there though, just naturally that uh, if they make the piece as nice as possible as a piece of art, uh, whatever changes that person might go through, it won't be like, oh, this no longer symbolizes something I like, so I don't like the tattoo anymore. Instead, it's a piece of art that has enough aesthetic strength uh, as a decorative design on the body that the shifting and symbolism will happen. You know, as somebody will adapt as they change uh, and maybe their narrative about the tattoo might change uh, along with that, but uh, they'll still be able to value it just as much, if not more. Yeah. Well, uh, if there aren't any more uh, questions in the chat room, I thought this was terrific. Uh, I have I have a lot of, I could go on and on about this, uh, but you're the one that's supposed to be doing the talking anyway. And, and uh, I think you've gotten all the big questions. Uh, I think if there was anything that I would ask as a final wrapping up thing, uh, the artist that you actually got tattooed by, that you talked with about this, uh, the, the things that seem to make them the happiest as artists, uh, I was wondering if any of them shared that. Uh, I don't remember that as a specific um, topic of conversation. Um, I mean, certainly- I this, ties back, this ties back into the expectations of if you're an artist or a craftsperson or you know the expectations that our, our clientele and the general public have on us. Uh, I guess happy, happiest is, is less apt than, you know, what, what is kind of a safe space for them as, as artists or craftspeople? I mean, I've always thought of myself in our, as an artist, but even as a little kid, you know, and that's so it's been part of my narrative. It's been the flag that I've always flown uh, for better or for worse, you know. Uh, the tattooers are such a, a such a mix of personalities and and needs, artistic needs or personal needs, in terms of why they do it. Uh, what, if you don't mind me asking, what did you get tattooed on you? Oh, I have a a bunch of a bunch of different things. Um, some of which is sort of uh, decoration. Some of which is more elaborate um, and. Um, and my interactions with artists have varied with respect to the extent to which I say, here are some ideas and what go, right? Versus, uh, you know, having more definite ideas about um, what I was hoping for, so. You worked um, with a few different artists. What, the ones that you went back to, what was the reason why? If you were giving these various reasons. Uh, um, 
I, I would say that, uh, you know, someone who uh, sort of has the spirit of a collaborator, even though they're obviously the, the, the artist, the expert, the expert artistically, um, but somebody who's willing to collaborate and, and talk about it and, um, you know, try different things. Um, those those are the the people that I've I've wanted to you know work with again, right? Um, okay, yeah, that that, and I think that for my part, I really enjoy working with clients that they they know the right amount of input. They're they understand the artist that they're going to enough to be able to ask for the right things and uh, the right amount of input where I'm not gonna be stumped. I don't wanna just be told, do whatever you want. Um, although that might sound like an artistic fantasy. I've got canvas for that. Uh, I don't wanna make the wrong tattoo for the person, right? Uh, I wanna have a sense of their taste. Uh, I'm not even gonna be comfortable until I have a sense of their taste. And then once that happens, if we talk enough to where I actually get a flash of a picture in my head, uh, at that point, I actually want to do the tattoo. It's like, I'll be disappointed if I don't get to. Uh, so th that is absolutely a collaboration. That's, that's two minds working together to arrive at something. And the tattooers, I think that I've met that have been the unhappiest, have been the ones that don't embrace that, uh, that they find the input from the client to be an impediment or, or a nuisance. And... Um, and some of them have drifted out of tattooing and, and found uh, other things that they do better as a result. And uh, you really do need to kind of at least partly be a people person, I think. And if you're not enjoying the people part of it, then uh, I don't know, maybe you're just not embracing the fact that what they're bringing is, is good. It's even if it's challenging you, it's going to cause you to flex a little bit to discover things about yourself as an artist that you didn't know were there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with, um, I love to watch uh, artists who start the process by drawing directly on the body. Um, and, um, and of course, there are some tattoo artists who that's um, all they do. They don't go make a, um, a separate design. Um, and yeah, I find that really fascinating to sort of, you know, I can't figure out what's going on in their minds, but uh, it's, it's interesting to see them work out the, the, the artistic problem that is, you know, my lower leg or something like that, right? Um, and um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting uh, way to work. If you're if you're a tattoo, I artist. always love it when the artist posts pictures of the marker drawing and then the because in some cases their marker drawing might be very simple. It doesn't say very much. It's just the basics. Robert Hernandez, you know, his marker drawings are just the basics. This is where the eyes are going to go in the mouth. But then the the tattoo, he's he's making most of the interesting stuff happen while he's working, and I, I think that he's learned to set himself up so that he's got the proportions down and doesn't have to worry about that, but there's enough room 
for him to just explore and discover as he's tattooing that keeps the process interesting yeah and as, as so, a non-tattooer uh, i think it's really interesting to to see how the image gets built you know um and you know how so if somebody is is drawing right on the skin the sort of layers that they are envisioning um and some of which are drawn on there and some of which are are suggested i think it's nice so you have a book i have a book is it, well I, I saw your your name listed in that list of books the oh oh i have an article i have an article, an article. okay yeah and where can people find this article <laughs> uh it's in an academic journal it's the one at the bottom there uh the british journal of aesthetics um and so it is, as many academic articles are behind a paywall, I, or uh, you have okay. to have a subscription or, or access to a library. Um, so uh, that's the unfortunate thing about okay. these, these sorts of things. So we can things. just provide a link to your article. Uh, I, I think we, yeah, yes, yeah. But people would have to pay if they wanted to read it. Or, or have access to uh, the, the journal. Right? Okay. The academic sure. journals uh, keep a tight control on, on this stuff. So unfortunately. Yeah, um. I got you. Yep. <laughs> okay, but we, we managed to talk stuff today. Uh, anything final you wanna say before we wrap it up? Um, well, I, I really appreciate the, the opportunity to talk about this stuff. It's, I find it really interesting to and a little bit uh, dizzy making to go back and forth between talking to philosophers and uh talking to tattoo artists and enthusiasts and i think i really value um that kind of feedback because uh, i recognize that i am a philosopher who is making claims about tattoos um and uh and the art of tattoos while i am not a tattoo artist myself so well, is there a good uh, email? Oops, sorry. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I can, I can, um, I can give you my my email. Uh, you know, um, lsizer at mtholyoke.edu uh, um, or lsizer at hampshire.edu are my um, academic email addresses. So I'd be happy to um, get. Uh, know thoughtful feedback um from folks and of course anybody that leaves comments with us that are directed towards you we'll make sure you get them okay great okay well hey thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your uh your your viewpoint we're always curious to hear what the outside world has to say about art and uh, you know it's it's interesting and well thought out and you know the idea that there's even a philosophy of art i think is a is a new thought to many of us and something to digest. Well, thank you and thank you everyone yep. for tuning in.
Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, I'm going to close out the show. So if you're listening on the podcast or on the YouTube channel, this is the uh, Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community. You could find it for free at either of the app stores, uh, Google or Apple. You could go straight to community.reinventingthetattoo.com. We do uh, live events like this all the time, pretty much five to seven days a week. Uh, thanks to our awesome sponsors. That would be, oh, I hope I could get it off my memory, inkjetstencils.com, rawpigments.co, uh, DLize Pro, otherwise known as Dermalize, throughout the rest of the world, Tattoo Now for computer stuff, guyacheson.com for thinking of all this and making it happen. And uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, positive reviews in those places, constructive criticisms, and thoughtful ideas to management at reinventingthetattoo.com. Thanks, Laura. Give it a good uh, smiley face for the last uh, frame. <laughs> ah!